It's a bit midlife crisis, divorce dad, like, <laughs> maybe that's what's going on with Apollo. <laughs> What's good? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a grown man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I'm reading them now as an adult because I'm on a quest to determine if this is a book series that we've all been sleeping on as a society, and not just an American society, but a global society. And because of that, my guest, who is on this journey with me for this episode, is someone from the UK. She's a poet. She's an author. She's an all-around wonderful human being. It's Dottie James. Dottie, how's it going? Hi, it's going well. How are you? I'm doing very well. I know that you have had a very fun morning my time, day your time, (laughs) but uh, a fun magical dentist-related adventure that has delayed this recording so many times, but it's finally happening. Here we go, baby. Here we go. How did you get into the PJO series and start reading the books? I got into into the PJO series and started reading the books in a very similar way that you did because you started doing this podcast and I was like, wow, I need to read these. And I listened along and then, yeah, and then here we are. Amazing. I am flattered and honored. I don't know if you are the first guest to be on. No, I guess Alyssa Esteban did this as well, but it warms my heart to have inspired you to read the books and then you plowed through them so quickly that you've read all of them. Have you gone on to the sequel series or did you just read the main five? So I have not read all of them yet. Okay. I'm on maybe the end of the fourth one. Okay. So I think I'm only a book ahead from here. That is okay. That's all good. You finished the book. You know what lies ahead. No spoilers will be shared. None. And these two chapters are incredibly, incredibly spicy. So I think we should just get right into them. Let's do it. Great. So chapter four is called Thalia Torches New England. And as an avid Boston sports hater, I support this. <laughs> Does England have any ill will towards America having New England? Is that any sort of I think, <laughs> thing that you think is silly? <laughs> I think it's silly. But even in England, we have like towns that are the same name, but like in the south and the north. I've recently discovered, because I, I live in Brighton, there's also another Brighton up north, which I recently found out about. Interesting. So it's not, I would like to think it was silly. I think a lot of people in England do kind of rib on the fact that there's like a new this and a new that, like a new Jersey and like a new everything. But mm-hmm. I don't think we're as self-aware about it as we should be because we do it too. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> as someone from New Jersey though, I must say that that is not silly at all and it's very good and wonderful yes, and perfect. I'm sure. But New England, <laughs> terrible, horrible, the worst sports teams imaginable. Brilliant. So my actual guess for what this title meant before reading the chapter is that Thalia would use some sort of intense power move with Aegis the Shield to defeat a monster. I could not have been more wrong if I tried. Uh, Yep. Pretty wrong. Quite. So dawn is approaching. Where we last left our heroes, Bianca had just made her decision to join the hunters, a very heated situation that made Percy upset and Nico sad and lots of emotions abound as they camp in the clearing near the school. So it is approaching dawn. Percy notices that the school is completely dark and he wonders if the teachers will notice that Dr. Thorne and the D'Angelo siblings are missing. But 
He hopes that he isn't around whenever they do, because, quote, with my luck, the only name Mrs. Gottschalk would remember was Percy Jackson, and then I'd be the subject of a nationwide manhunt again. I love the little subplot that, like, from the first book and this one, where there's this fear of him being hunted in the real world by real world consequences. That scares me more than the God ones. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, he saved the world, but he's going to get arrested. <laughs> That's scarier. I think it is a good representation of how much I fear things like the judicial system in America, that that is scarier right. than the God of war right? having a beef with you. Right? <laughs> the other thing I wanted to point out, someone reached out, a German listener pointed out that the last name Gottschalk is actually Gottschalk, and it's just apparently a very common German name. No. So some German listeners got the joke right away. Other listeners, it was such a normal German name that they didn't get it until Percy clarifies on the next line. So I just thought it was funny because I guess if you're not German, you very clearly see Gottschalk. But if you're German, you would see Gottschalk or however you pronounce wow. it properly. And it's different. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> I, I also had played with different ways of saying it in my head. And then he says God's chalk, like he he makes fun of it himself, and I'm like, okay, cool, cool, I'm mm -hmm. not alone. Like, <laughs> that's that's wild. Yeah. So the hunters break down camp. Percy shivers in the cold, and Artemis looks expectingly to the east. Bianca then explains to Nico why she made the choice that she did, and Percy's initial read is that it is selfish of her to abandon Nico, which I think is very interesting. We talked a little bit about how this is a very complex choice in the last episode, but this is tough mm -hmm. and a very serious conversation, and I hope that it becomes something that is more of a dialogue as the book goes on, because in these next two chapters, it's kind of just Bianca trying to explain and Nico being upset. I would love if actual words were put to the emotions here. Yeah, their relationship definitely does get some attention, or it's at least hinted at that they're going to go into that more in the next chapter or two. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's one of the more interesting dynamics that he's come up with so far, mm -hmm. where it's like, wow, complete abandonment from your sister <laughs> like how do you how do you explore that in a YA setting yes it's certainly tough especially given their age especially given that they're orphans mm -hmm. I cannot imagine being in either person's shoes but it's as you said very good writing from Rick because it's very mm -hmm. interesting and unique Thalia and Grover approach Percy so that he can relay what happened with Artemis when they had their little side talk. Percy tells them, and Grover says that the last time the hunters went to Camp Half-Blood, it wasn't a wonderful experience. Percy wonders how the hunters arrived out of nowhere, and Thalia blames Zoe for Bianca joining their team. Grover says that he can't blame Bianca, though, because eternity with Artemis would be the best. And Grover, G-Man, just head over heels for Artemis, and it is delightful. Grover has some creepy energy <laughs> for the next few <laughs> chapters, I guess. He needs to put some boundaries in place. He really likes nature. He's found someone who likes nature. Shared interest. True. We get it. He's, I guess, a teenager kind of question mark. Yeah, and when you're a teenager, it's like, you like the same thing I like. Therefore... We must be destined. Let's get married. Together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Thalia says, quote, you satyrs, you're all in love with Artemis. Don't you get that she'll never love you back? And Grover swoons and says, but she's so into nature. And this is something that's interesting that I want to cover later on the podcast, either in an episode 
Someone told me that there's a later chapter where it comes more into play or maybe its own episode after the book. But talking about the ace representation of Artemis, how she has no interest in anything romantic. People who are asexual see themselves in this. I've heard from listeners, so I think it is something I would love to discuss further on the pod with someone more knowledgeable about the subject, kind of like we did with ADHD, dyslexia, etc. Yeah, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. So the sky begins to lighten, and Artemis mutters, "Mm, about time, he's so lazy during the winter. And when Percy asks if she's waiting for the sunrise, and then I remembered, oh, right, she was looking expectingly to the east. That makes sense. Right. (laughs) Artemis confirms and says that she's waiting for her brother. And narrator Percy says, quote, I didn't want to be rude. I mean, I knew the legends about Apollo or sometimes Helios driving a big sun chariot across the sky. But I also knew that the sun was really a star about a zillion miles away. I'd gotten used to some of the Greek myths being true, but still, I didn't see how Apollo could drive the sun. Mm. So it's an interesting dynamic of Percy trying to come to grips with even knowing that Greek mythology stuff is real. Yeah. Still. It's hard for him to unlearn and accept some of the things that just feel so scientific, if you will. Exactly. I really love when Apollo goes into it with him a little bit, just a little bit later. That's really exciting. I've written a note on that. Good, good, good. So Artemis basically reads Percy's mind to say that it is not exactly the same as he thinks. And Percy says, oh, okay. So it's not like he'll be pulling up in a... And then narrator Percy says, there was a sudden burst of light on the horizon, a blast of warmth. And Artemis warns Percy to not look, not until he parks. And then narrator Percy goes, parks? Which, a great interaction. love... I love it. (laughs) So everyone averts their eyes. Light and warmth rapidly increase. And then the light flash fades and subsides. And Percy sees that Apollo is driving his, meaning Percy's, car. Narrator Percy clarifies that it is his dream car, a red convertible Maserati Spider. And I, of course, Googled this to see what's up with this car. So did I. Maybe you found the same things that I did, which was, it's not that famous of a car. Maserati, obviously, a luxury car manufacturer. But the Spider, which I had heard of, I found out, only existed from the years 2002 to 2007. And in terms of resale stuff, you can get one now for $21,000, which I thought, that's not a lot for a fancy luxury car. But then I looked up what a mid-2000s Corvette was, and those are going for about the same price. So maybe that's just what mid-2000s sports cars go for. But also, is Percy like into cars as experience as someone who was once a 13 year old boy yes okay <laughs> every 13 year old boy <laughs> at least a lot of them I'm me especially you. you have your car phase and i or at least from me and my friends experience <laughs> we all had our car phase and you as someone who closely identifies with percy yes because interestingly i did picture like a big i mean i know he describes it but it's like a big red car it was essentially what i had been imagining Uh So I was like, okay, cool. I'm on it with the car info. Right. And the spider, looking at the photos of it, it isn't particularly cool looking. I know cars in the mid-2000s weren't the most stylish, but yeah. It's a bit midlife crisis, divorced dad, like, (laughs) maybe that's what's going on with Apollo. (laughs) It feels like if James Bond knockoff had a car, oh, Oh, it's me, Jim agreement and (laughs) here's my cool spider oh my god yes okay so (laughs) james bond knockoff divorced dad apollo 
goes on mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> yeah, he goes on. <laughs> Narrator Percy describes him saying, the driver got out smiling. He looked about 17 or 18. And for a second, I had the uneasy feeling it was Luke, my old enemy. This guy had the same sandy hair and outdoorsy good looks, but it wasn't Luke. This guy was taller with no scar on his face like Luke's. His smile was brighter and more playful. In parentheses, Luke didn't do much more than scowl and sneer these days. The Maserati driver wore jeans and loafers and a sleeveless t-shirt. Wow, that is quite the outfit. Uh, Disgusting. (laughs) I hate him already and will meet him. Apollo is so choice. I love it. (laughs) Thalia, right off the bat, goes, wow, Apollo is hot. And Percy goes, he's the sun god. And Thalia goes, that's not what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Also, I would have assumed was maybe a bit more familiar with the gods from her time before she was a tree. Yeah. But I guess not. I guess this is her first encounter with the sun god. I guess. I mean, she was only 12 before becoming a tree. So we don't really know exactly what her past is. I would certainly read a Thalia pre-tree prequel book. The treequel, if you will. I would certainly read that to know exactly what she was like. Because was Zeus in her life or was it like Poseidon with Percy where the godly parent is just not around? And then we would get a Luke, Annabeth, Thalia, like, trio. And that was fun because it would be a good Luke. I also wouldn't be surprised if that does exist because I know there are other books that I will cover on the podcast. There's one called The Demigod Files, but that is something that takes place between books four and books five. So I'm going to definitely do that before I get to book five. And you should do that, too, before you get to book five. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then I think there's another collection of short stories books that just kind of takes place throughout the series and kind of fills in some blanks and stuff. So maybe there's prequel stuff there. I do not know. Yeah. Anyone listening? Don't tell me. I don't want to (laughs) know. I don't want to know. He just can't seem to stop writing. I I bumped into someone recently who said they're going to read them when he dies, (laughs) which I thought was quite dark. And I was like, that's not a thing that people just do. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, that's... Just read them. Just start. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. You don't have to turn Rick Riordan into Vincent Van Gogh and be like, oh, I can only consume his content after he's dead. Right? I was like, it's just not that deep, essentially. (laughs) Like, you can just start this fun series and have a good time. Also, Rick's old. He's not that old. It's going to be a while. Given where the world is going right now, the earth might melt before he dies. So come on, read the books. (laughs) You might never get to do this. Apollo might crash into our town. Yes, my goodness. (laughs) So Apollo greets Artemis incredibly pompously and The way he does so makes me imagine Apollo now as a teenage version of Will Arnett's character Jonathan from Hot Rod. I don't know if you've seen that film. I'm not familiar. I'm going to do a really quick Google. He's an enormous jerk in the movie. He does drive a red convertible, which is a perfect coincidence. And there is a four and a half minute video compilation where you can just see all of the Will Arnett scenes from Hot Rod. And it's truly the vibes I got from Apollo. Is this the Babe Wait film? Yes, it's Babe Wait. Babe Wait, I, babe, I, yeah. <laughs> I can see it from that clip alone. Uh, an iconic, iconic scene that had me in absolute stitches the first time I saw it. Excellent. Quality film. Not being paid it. by Hot Rod. Everyone go watch Hot Rod. <laughs> Perfect movie. Apollo even pulls the little sister card because even though they're twins, he was born first. And I have to say, Shout out to all the twins who do this, because I think it's an amazing joke. So funny. I will have to ask my friends who are twins, but if I was a twin, whether I was the older one or the younger one, I would make some sort of joke about being the older or younger sibling all of the time. Yes. It's like the kid version of a dad joke 
and it's beautiful. Have you heard that? I don't know if it was a Tumblr joke, a Twitter joke, a stand-up comedian, something on the internet where someone says, if I was if I was a twin and I was slightly older, I would say, when I was your age, and then begin describing what I did a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. And my thought here, I thought about the dynamic between being the older and the younger twin and bragging about it. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you are younger, it's much better to be the older twin because when you're a kid, you always want to brag about how old you are. You're always clarifying, I'm eight and three quarters. I'm not eight. Yep. Stuff like that. But once you flip and you get older, I feel like once you hit 30, the tides change, the tables turn, yep. and then you get to just say, oh, well, I'm the younger, I'm the more youthful yes. sibling. And it made me realize you get more use out of that joke because yeah. from age 30 to whatever life expectancy is in your country, yeah. you get a lot of it. So you have to go through the trouble of dealing with getting the younger twin you joke. You put in the years, yeah. you put in the work, <laughs> and then you get the rewards. <laughs> Twins, reach out. Let me know if you do this joke. If you do, either way, I support you. It's a great joke. <laughs> yes. I recently had this dynamic not with a twin because I don't have one, but um, my siblings, a couple of my siblings, my husband and a lot of my friends turned 30 this year and I'm 26. So I get to enjoy suddenly being the younger one instead of being yes. the one where they make a reference and they're like, oh, you were too young for this. You were too young for this. I get to be like, you don't understand Twitter or like <laughs> you don't understand TikTok, even though I'm actually pretty old for TikTok. I get to enjoy being <laughs> the younger one. So that flip has happened to me just socially recently. Amazing. And I love it. Congratulations on the marriage, by the way. I don't know if we've spoken oh, since you. you upgraded from fiance to wife. I know. It's great. I love it. Isn't it great? You just thank feel you. powerful. My husband, my wife. I know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it to people, but it's like there's a definite shift. It's definitely like a great feeling. But beyond that, I don't have the specific like, why is this like, why is this so good? I don't know. I think for me, when I went from Kelly being my girlfriend to my fiance, it was a big sense of security kind of like, okay, we are in this for the long haul. We're going to do the big thing. Yeah. And then going from fiance to wife, I hated using the term fiance because it always Me felt too. like I was bragging. Me too. It just feels so pompous. You can't with a straight face say it. I never used it. I used partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, because then you say fiance. It's almost like you're expecting or they might think you're expecting them to ask about like the proposal. And like, yes. it's like, oh, I'm a fiance. Yes. Yeah, I Thank fully you. Agree with you. Yeah, it kind of just felt like, this is my super girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> you know? right. Uh, yeah. This is my special girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I like her a lot. I've promised to have an expensive party with her oh and buy her an goodness. expensive circle. <laughs> or, expensive I, I already party. did buy her an expensive <laughs> circle. <laughs> right. When people, because we had a fairly low-key wedding, like we did it at a band rehearsal studio. Mm. It was super fun. Obviously, it was my wedding day. Really liked it. Um, <laughs> but weddings are expensive, right? Yes. And I was like, for a wedding, it was cheap. For a Saturday, it was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> a really, really expensive Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yep. That certainly puts it into perspective. Yeah. Anyway, Percy Jackson. So Percy Jackson. No weddings here yet. Not in Percy Jackson. No weddings here yet. Hopefully with Percy and Annabeth. We'll have to see. I don't know, but I'm invested. I mean, same. I'm <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not far enough to know. <laughs> please, please, please. Apollo then just interrupts Artemis pushing back on the older sibling 
brag boast by saying, so what's up? Got the girls with you, I see? I'll need some tips on archery. I love your <laughs> Apollo voice. Thank you. Apollo sucks so much. I love it. He's so bad. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> and I don't know if you've played Hades the video game. I have obviously have played Hades the video game. In Hades the video game, they have Theseus as a character. And he's the same kind of thing where he's such a jerk. He is the absolute worst. And I think he might be my favorite character in the game because of it. It's just so, he's just so well written to be awful and so perfectly hateable. Anytime he's on the screen, you just want to punch him. And that wow. is perfect character design. And that's what we've got going on with Apollo here. He is just truly the worst. And I love it. So much fun. He's the worst, but definitely like the worst in just a big brother messing with you vibe. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not a terrible person, but he sucks to be around. <laughs> yes. And it just shows how powerful Rick's writing is and how in tune with awful teenagers he is. Yes. Because it's one thing just to write a villain or someone that you dislike, but to make someone that is so unlikable right off the jump, where after one paragraph, you completely understand this guy's vibe and you want nothing to do yep. with him, but you also love everything he does because it's so bad. Yeah. He's just so, ah, uh, he's the ultimate love to hate character. It's really clever. I don't know if he was still a teacher at this point. I know at least when he started the books, he was a teacher, right? Yeah. I think by this point, he might have not been. Okay. But I'm not sure on the timeline, but I feel like after two very successful books, eh, I feel like it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but I feel like as a teacher, my teacher friends all have this knowledge of teenagers, current teenagers, that I just don't have because mm -hmm. it's been seven years since I was a teenager, which doesn't feel like a lot. But apparently it's accelerated very fast. They're very different now. Being a teacher has given him this like good basis in what teenagers were like in the 2000s. Definitely. And last week I was down the Jersey Shore with my parents for a 4th of July trip and we saw some old family friends. My friend's mom is a teacher and we were walking the boardwalk in Seaside Park, Seaside Heights, and she was talking about what teenagers are like nowadays because we saw droves and droves of them walking the boardwalk over the weekend because I guess their parents are at the bars and the teens can't go, so they just do boardwalky things. And she was describing this thing that boys do now, which I think is very funny. The style, which I do appreciate that short shorts are coming back, which is nice, but these teenage boys, at least in New Jersey, were all wearing T-shirts or basketball jerseys or whatever, but what they would do is they would act like their chest was itchy and kind of do this <laughs> to put their hand inside their shirt and scratch it in a way or hold it. I've seen it. While she was describing this and she finished the description, a 14-year-old boy walked past us doing this maneuver in front of his group of friends and it was just such perfect oh timing. <laughs> I feel like it's all, and I know you mentioned this recently, I think on the podcast, but like, all the 2000s has come back, right? Yes. Like the floppy hair and like Spice Girls outfits, and which I'm, I'm really here for. I love it. But yeah, I feel like that kind of walk, I've definitely seen it in Clueless. Oh, okay. like, I've definitely seen like Donald Faison's character doing that in Clueless. So uh, I don't know if the mannerisms are coming back. I've not seen that one yet. Oh, it's a classic. I know. Yeah, I know it's a classic, except for the weird Paul Rudd stepbrother thing that ages super cool it's and very well. strange. <laughs> but... Very strange. Really weird vibe. <laughs> I'm sure I will watch it at some point. It's going to happen. It's one of those inevitable movies that I will stumble across and see. But when 
my friend's mom was describing this whole thing. I thought it was silly and also something I totally would have done mm-hmm. when I was 14 years old. I don't think I ever went that far, but did I definitely do a bunch of sit-ups before any pool party that I went to? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the pressure. I mean, look, gotta look good. Gotta impress undisclosed girls I was trying to impress in middle school. <laughs> push-up sit-ups all before the pool party. At least that I knew, like, my chest and stomach will be on display, not necessarily right. let me pretend my chest itches. I don't think I ever went that far, but I also yeah. wasn't that far off from going that That's far. That's <laughs> so funny. I'm of the firm belief that teenagers, like, as much as I said that a lot changes, I actually think teenagers don't change at all, ever. Um, <laughs> the trends and stuff do. Yeah, that's my summary. We're always just as stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great summary. And on that note, let's take a bit of a break here for the Titan's Purse, our mid-roll break. Hooray! Hello and welcome to the Titan's Purse. It's a pigeon-shaped purse and you might be thinking, pigeon-shaped purses? Those don't exist. Well, if you were following the New Stolympian on Twitter, you would know that they do exist and they cost $850. I shan't be buying one, but am I tempted? I'm incredibly tempted. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Speaking of the New Stolympian Twitter, you should be following the New Stolympian on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. All of them are at Newest Olympian and there's some fun stuff being posted there. We're really close to 10,000 followers on Instagram, which would be a cool milestone to hit, but I've just been having a blast posting more jokes and stuff like that, especially as I get further in the books, I can make more jokes and stuff. So come on over to social. It's a fun time. I've been having a fun time sharing stuff and interacting with people. Come on over at New Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you do follow us on social media, you'll get lots of fun updates, such as updates about the live shows that we're doing, multiple live shows that are happening in the very near future. Reminder that on August 24th, we're doing the first ever TNO live show in New York City. We are also live streaming it, so even if you don't live nearby, you can watch it. The first ever live performance of the New Olympian. I'm very excited. And then we're also doing four half and half shows with my other podcast, Potterless, where one act is Potterless, one half is TNO, half Potterless, half TNO, all Mike Schubert live podcast. That is August 31st in Philly. That one is also being streamed September 11th in Salt Lake City, September 25th in Portland, Oregon, and October 9th in Dallas, Texas. Tickets for all of these shows, streaming or in person, are available at thenewestolympian.com slash live, and I'm very excited for you all to see them and to start doing some TNO content live. And just to clarify for anyone wondering out there, the stuff that I do at the live show will be like book episodes, but I will be saving the audio from the live shows and then posting it to the feed. So don't worry, you're not going to miss stuff. You'll just have some episodes that sound a little bit different because they're live. But also, if you're the type of person that skips live show episodes of podcasts, you're not going to want to do that for me because I'm very good at making live show episodes that sound good. Unlike other podcasts, I'm a cut above the rest. So these live show episodes will still sound phenomenal and you will be getting all of the wonderful PJO content that you so desperately crave. And I give to you on a weekly basis, except for the times I take off, but it's okay because I post stuff on the Potterless feed every single time. So you're never really going a week without Mike Schubert book content. Hooray. Speaking of things that make people think hooray, I think hooray every time I get a new patron joining the team over at thenewstolympian.com slash Patreon. We have over 950 patrons, making us very, very close to our 1,000 patron goal, where Stephen Parra and I will do a Hades the Video Game live stream. So that's a very fun goal to hit, and you can help us hit that goal. If you go to thenewstolympian.com slash Patreon, you also get access to a bunch of fun stuff, like bonus episodes. We did a recent bonus episode where I read the ending portion of chapter three of The Titan's Curse, because Stephen 
Parr told me it was good. So you just get 15 minutes of me reading the book, voicing out all of my inner thoughts and stuff. It's like a behind the scenes look of the already in-depth TNO podcast. Lots of fun bonus content over there. Director's commentary, monthly live streams, physical merch. We have pins, we have stickers, we have holographic stickers. Lots of fun stuff. And I want to give a shout out to the most recent folks who have joined the team. So shout out to our newest Ultra God tier patron, Noah Bundgaard. Shout out to our new Super God tier patrons, L and Chloe Jenkins. Shout out to our newest God tier patrons, Tessa Thompson, Sean Stevenson, and Canon Cookie. And shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Erica Bradley, Vicky Ingram, Violet Cameron Webb, Bay Doucet, and Jake Spiegler. Thank you all so much for your support. May Hermes bless you that whenever you're running to try to catch a plane, train, automobile, or otherwise, he just gives you a little speed boost so that you can make whatever means of transportation you're trying to get on. Speaking of support, I want to thank Multitude for having us as a part of the collective. If you're all caught up on the newest Olympian, you could listen to some other Multitude shows. I make some other Multitude shows. I've already talked about Potterless, the show that's very similar to TNO, but it's me going through the Harry Potter books for the very first time. And you can see, wow, what was Mike Schubert like before he was a full-time professional podcasting boy? You also have Horse or me and my good buddy Adam Amawala help you all understand basketball, even if you have no idea what basketball is. We recently did an episode called NBQ&A, where we answered all of your questions. There's Meddling Adults, the charity game show that I host where people solve children's mysteries for a good cause. That's a fun time. I'm working on season four. Three seasons are already out that you can listen to. And if that simply isn't enough, well, you can join the multi-crew and get access to a bunch of other bonus content, such as Head Heart Gut, but you also get access to the pen pal community. Whether you are looking to make new friends and connect with others or bust out the old pen and paper, or maybe you're trying to find a virtual buddy to brighten up your email inbox, you can join the multi-crew and get your own pen pal. It's a perk for every multi-crew member, regardless of your tier, and you get a hand-picked pen pal from the multi-crew. You get to meet a new friend. Who doesn't love friends? Gotta love friends. You can join the multi-crew for as little as $5 a month at multicrew.club. Check it out. And before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. Also, I don't have full control over them. So if you ever get a weird ad, please send me an email to the gmail.com and I will get it blocked. But they are locally inserted. So if you live in Chad, don't be surprised if you hear a Chad-related ad. A Chad ad, if you will. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of the Newest Olympian. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. And we're back. So Artemis says to Apollo that she has some solo hunting to handle, but she wants Apollo to take the hunters to Camp Half-Blood. And Apollo agrees, but then he breaks into a haiku after saying, I feel a haiku coming on, which produces justifiable groans. <laughs> this was such an unexpected like thing. Maybe it's something that he's known for? I don't know. I'll have to check in with Dr. Moya McTeer if... 
Apollo and poetry is a thing. Now, yeah. I do find it funny when the stars align for guests and content, but you as a poet, <laughs> what did you think of the haiku that isn't actually a haiku? I have to say haikus in general are not my personal faith, but it was fine when he eventually got there. Okay. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I also am not a big fan of haikus. I don't really know the history of them, but it just feels like if you're just trying to hit syllables, it doesn't make for great poetic content. No. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan. It seems like more of a fun brain teaser. Right. It seems like a thing you do when you learn what a syllable is in second grade. Right. And not necessarily a fun, cool way to uh, read. Like, I don't think I've ever consumed a genuine haiku and thought, wow, amazing. It's more of people using haikus as a joke. Right. But anyway, right. the wonderful haiku from Apollo is, green grass breaks through snow. Artemis pleads for my help. I am so cool. And that was <laughs> worse than I expected. <laughs> so bad. I am so cool. Yeah, the bar was the floor and somehow you dug underneath the bar. Artemis corrects him, saying that the last line was only four syllables and suggests I am so big headed as a replacement. And I audibly laughed out loud because <laughs> Apollo goes, no, no, that's six syllables. Hmm. That's his and I just love that he breezes over the dig from Artemis calling him big headed and he just goes, no, 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 that won't work. Because <laughs> he's the older sibling. Yeah, he's completely unfazed. He's got the power. He does. Zoe says, quote, Lord Apollo has been going through this haiku phase ever since he visited Japan. Tis not as bad as the time he visited Limerick. If I'd had to hear one more poem that started with, there once was a goddess from Sparta, and then I realized, wait, is Limerick actually a place? And then I Googled it, and it's a county in Ireland, and <laughs> my longtime producer-level patrons slash internet friends, the Bartovas, who live in Dublin, are probably very disappointed in me, as well as anyone in Ireland. In my defense, I've never been to Ireland, so I didn't know Limerick was a place. I thought it was just a type of poem. <laughs> I, um... I'm with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, great. Huzzah. Which is terrible because <laughs> I live closer to that, but I'm English, so I mean, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know a lot about history, but I know there's interesting relations between the Irish and the English, and I can leave it at that. Yeah, and it, again, it, it, I'm English, so unfortunately, I don't know as much about it as I would like to. It's almost like to teach myself. countries like ours, America and the UK, kind of push to the side the bad parts of our <laughs> history. <laughs> Yeah, it is almost like that. You're very right. God, the worst. The Terrible. worst. We are the worst. Yay, the worst. So Apollo lands on, quote, I am so awesome, which is five syllables. And then he agrees to take the hunters. Artemis says that he also has to take the demigods. And Apollo says to Thalia that he's heard of her. And that causes Thalia to blush. And then Apollo gets incredibly gross by saying, quote, Zeus's girl, yes? Makes you my half-sister. Used to be a tree, didn't you? Glad you're back. I hate it when pretty girls turn into trees. She is 16. Wait. I get that you're 18, 19, <laughs> but she is 16, and you just literally a couple of words ago reminded us all that she is your half-sister. I know that things are messy with Greek relationships, and there's always some sort of tangential incest. But the general understanding that I have gotten about the Percy Jackson book specifically, people in your cabin, maybe don't. People in other cabins, fine. But they would be in the same cabin, I guess. <laughs> you just told us she's your half-sister. That's creepy. Come on, man. It's so creepy. I didn't clock the pretty girls thing. I thought maybe he was like shutting her down. 
like which would have been hilarious but <sighs> oh gross no yeah. yeah i don't get the logic don't like it i don't <laughs> don't like it at all Apollo here, super creepy. Apollo recognizes Percy, and Percy calls him Sir, but then thinks, that's kind of weird. This guy's a teenager. Why am I calling Sir? Anyway, and they move on. Apollo studies Percy, but doesn't say anything. Just kind of squints his eyes, doesn't really say anything. And that makes Percy feel strange, which is completely understandable. That is not an interaction you want to have when you meet someone. Nope. (laughs) Especially because Apollo knew his name. If someone walked up to me and said, are you Mike Schubert? And I said yes, and then all they did was squint, I would be (laughs) terrified. It would ruin my month. (laughs) I'm really not sure how I would react. Squint back. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, and then it plays the doodle Yeah, and it just Western goes. Western <laughs> Yeah, oh, it just turns the, the, into Kill Bill. Yeah, <laughs> slices the screen in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an aggressive move. Yes, certainly a choice by Apollo. So Apollo tells them to load up in the car and then says it only goes west. And I think this is a sun joke because they certainly have to go south to get to New York. Oh, really? Because Maine, well, Maine is slightly east of New York, but not that much. If it literally only goes west, they are not going to New York. They are going to Canada. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's fun. I wonder what the gods are like in Canada. <laughs> Probably very nice. Really nice. Unless yeah. <laughs> they have to deal with the Lestragonians who have been deemed Canadians. Brilliant. Yeah, no, this is a fun quirk. I don't know that I could spend eternity only driving west. No, you'd be very limited. I guess you would always be going in the right time zone direction, which is nice. You'd be making yeah. great time. Yeah. <laughs> if you travel fast enough. My other question is why is he 17? I guess to give them more of a brother sister dynamic. But, like, he's a god. He could be whatever, right? Exactly. That's what I found interesting. And I think it just speaks to Apollo's awful character because they said that he looks 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. And Artemis has a reason. Her reason is this is before puberty kind of kicks in. But I think Artemis is younger. I think she's... She's more of, like, a 12, like... Yeah, I think she's more along the lines of a 12-year-old. So more preteen, early teen vibes. Yeah. So... He has made a choice, not even just to match his twin sister, but to just be a teenager and to be 18 to 19. What a weird choice. Why would you choose to be that age? It's like Edward Cullen in Twilight choosing to be 17 forever. (laughs) That is certainly worse because maybe because he's Greek by being 18 or 19, he can still consume alcohol and stuff and do other fun things. But in America, being 19 would be weird. Doesn't get you anything. Why would you not be 22? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) oh, I can smoke, but I can't drink. But also I can buy a f***ing gun (laughs) because I'm over 18. now we know where his loyalties lie. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Well-earned bleep for me on the podcast. Everyone donate to any charity that stops gun violence. We got to stop this. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm so angry all the time. Really bizarre to watch from over here, by the way. Really unfortunate. I feel very bad for you guys. I cannot. There's no words. No. Yeah. But to choose to be 18 or 19 for no reason. Nope. What a choice. Unless he's a gun nut. Can't think of any reason why he's doing it. But still, you could you could be above it. Right. <laughs> you could exactly. just be 21, right? These things are not only allowed at these ages. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can only drink when you're 21. <laughs> you can Yeah, no. Oh. I think it's just a sun joke. Nico compliments the car, but then asks how they'll all fit. And Apollo turns it 
from sport car mode into a Chrysler that's as big as a whale. Uh, but no, actually, instead, he turns it into a turtle top shuttle bus, which I did have to Google, but that is a brand name. If you Google it, you will say, oh, yeah, one oh, of sure. those buses. Yeah, one of those buses. One <laughs> of the ones with windows and the little collapsible doors. I don't know how to describe it other than, oh, yeah, one, one of, of those, those buses. Not a Greyhound, but one of the other ones. Maybe like a, an eight-seat maximum capacity. Yeah. Yeah, they can go bigger. Yeah, I would say like between 12 and 20 rows, maybe seats on each sure. side. Yeah. But what I do love, and this is true because when I thought of the only times I've ridden in this bus, I do share it with Percy. Literally, the only time I've ridden in one of these is when I would travel for basketball games on my high school basketball team. And that is what Percy says. He said we would ride on these buses for basketball games. Me and Percy Jackson, the same person, question mark? Who's to say? The jury's out. Same. <laughs> For hockey. <laughs> oh, field hockey? Ice hockey? Roller hockey? Field hockey. Oh, yeah. cool. Goal defense. You played? Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. I, field hockey? I would watch a field hockey match. See, I wouldn't. Oh. Maybe I should. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if they televise them, do they? <laughs> I don't know. Even a high school one, I, w- I think it's an interesting sport. Yeah. The little clubs, is that what you call them? Are cool? The little candy canes you use? That's fun. The de- oh, oh my gosh, you've sent the word right out of my head. What are they called? Hockey stick. Hockey stick. Okay. Hockey stick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really fun. Um, that's like kind of a core part of, you do that in school here. Nice. So I don't know if they, do you not do that? Do you not try that at school? They do it in schools here. Yeah. I think it might be regional, but I also went to an all boys high school and it is, at least in America, a Typically more women's of a, yeah. sport. Oh, silly. <laughs> boys play lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but there definitely is also women's lacrosse as well (laughs) yeah i was just thinking that yeah no i think it was like more boys rugby girls hockey for some reason (laughs) you know gotta gender stuff that's just how the world works yeah apparently (laughs) so everyone begins to board apollo tries to help zoe and calls her sweetheart which causes zoe to glare at him with anger and artemis to scold him against talking to looking at or flirting with her hunters Apollo asks where she's hunting, and Artemis says it's not his business, and Apollo says that he sees all and knows all, so he'll find out anyway. Nice. Cool. Artemis leaves, says that she'll see the hunters at the winter solstice, and puts Zoe in charge. She kneels and touches the ground like she's following tracks and says, so much danger. The beast must be found. And I'm guessing that the beast is Dr. Thorne, but maybe it's a different beast, and I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm very excited. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Everyone gets in the van. The hunters go all the way to the back to avoid the, quote, highly infectious males, which, love this, (laughs) A+. Nico is excited and asks Apollo, is this really the sun? I thought Helios and Selene were the sun and moon gods. And continues, how come sometimes it's them and sometimes it's you and Artemis? And Apollo says, downsizing. The Romans started it. They couldn't afford all of those temple sacrifices, so they laid off Helios and Selene and folded their duties into our job descriptions. My sis got the moon. I got the sun. It was pretty annoying at first, but at least I got this cool car. And I really need Dr. Ramoya to make sense of all this because this is the first time they've truly admitted to the Roman and Greek dynamic of it all. I love it. I love it so much. I love the downsizing because it's some explanation. I guess is why I like it because mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. it's not been mentioned before yes 
we definitely, definitely need them to clarify. Yes. So I'll talk with Moya in the episode when we finish the book about this. But I don't know if it's a particular thing about these gods, why it was brought in, or if this is just the first time in the series they are admitting that Roman gods slash Roman versions of the Greek gods exist, a la Poseidon and Neptune. So I'm very intrigued. I think it brings up more questions than it answers Mm -hmm. because... The downsizing occurs because they can't afford enough temples, but I don't think America worships the gods in any way. <laughs> right. I, maybe it was an old, I guess maybe they're talking about back in Roman times. But now what are they doing? Like, what, are they on unemployment? Like, are they? Yeah, I, oh, no. <laughs> what are they? We'll just have to learn later in the series, I guess. I guess. Maybe they're in some sort of union. Who's to maybe. say? So Nico asks how it works, and Apollo gives a very unhelpful answer where he skirts around how it works astronomically and then philosophically says that the chariot is built out of human dreams about the sun. It is a manifestation of the sun's power the way mortals perceive it. He asks Nico if this makes sense, and Nico says no, which at least in my interpretation was the correct answer because I had no idea what the heck Apollo was talking about here. Really? Oh, I loved this part. <laughs> oh, please. Thank you. You are smarter than me. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> it's just... You're better at literature-related things than me. What was your interpretation? <laughs> it's just kind of like being like, it's pretend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's... There's a series that I really love called the Discworld series. I've heard good things. Written by Terry Pratchett, my favorite author. And he talks about this a lot, where it's the physical manifestation of a story. So a physical manifestation of who we think of as the big bad witch Mm. and just archetypes. And so I guess it's similar idea, which is Apollo and his car. Actually, maybe not him himself. I'm not sure what rick was thinking for the actual gods but at least you know his car and the fact that he draws the sun it's all just a story that happens and stories have power and in this universe clearly that means something physical will actually come from that okay so it's just giving like a lot of importance i love it when writers give importance to stories yeah and they're like look this can actually make something happen it's magic in and of itself yeah so that's why i loved that Okay, and now hearing you explain it that way, given the way they describe how Olympus works with it moving around based on civilization, that could also make sense for this because that would be a the will of the people determining how things work. Similar situation here. People believe things about the sun. It manifests as this cool, magical, changing car that should just be the magic school bus. Exactly. Oh my gosh, yes, it's the magic school bus. Give me Miss Frizzle (laughs) instead of Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) So Nico asks to drive. Apollo says he's too young. Grover asks to drive. Apollo says he's too furry, which Ah! seems out of line. Don't like that. Just some casual racism. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, satyrs. No. But then Apollo selects Thalia. Since she is a daughter of Zeus, who is lord of the sky, and this does make sense logically. However, Apollo pushes far too hard for someone who clearly does not want to drive. Agreed. Thalia turns down the offer. Apollo asks how old she is, and Thalia says, I don't know, which makes sense. Fair enough. Narrative Percy explains that she was 12 when she turned into a tree, but that was seven years ago, so she should be 19, but she still feels 12, but she seems like she's somewhere in between. And then Apollo clarifies and just says, you're 15, almost 16, which is very spicy given what we know about people turning 16 in the rules of the Percy Jackson universe. Yep. That is a very interesting age to be. I didn't remember if we knew that at this point, so I wasn't going to say anything, but it's like, oh, wow, yeah, just dropping in a huge part of the plot. (laughs) Yeah. 
the last book really let it be known. Turning 16 is a big deal. And now, especially with what Apollo says next, which is that she's going to turn 16 in a week. Jeez. The stakes are very high. So we know that this book will happen in a week. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I thought. When Thalia asks how he knows it, Apollo says that he is the god of the prophecy, so he knows stuff. His words, not mine. And he says she'll turn 16 in a week. And then I wrote my notes in all caps. Well, I guess we have our plot. (laughs) Right. So Thalia says that makes sense because her birthday is December 22nd. Shout out to all the folks out there who like these books and like Thalia and are born on the 22nd. Brag about having the same birthday as Thalia. That's super cool. Apollo says that that makes her old enough to drive with a learner's permit, which depends on the state. Oh, really? It does. But she also doesn't have a learner's permit on her, was my next thought. (laughs) My thought exactly. Sure, you are the right age. There are steps you have to take to acquire a learner's permit. There are tests and such, and you need an instructor around. Yes. And I guess Apollo is the instructor, but he is not a good instructor at all because he doesn't tell her how to do anything. Nope. I find him really difficult to read in the following, as in to actually just understand what he's feeling (laughs) for the following few passages. Right. Because he's really pushy, which feels gross, especially Mm. with him being a teenage boy. Not ideal when teenage boy is being too pushy towards teenage girl. Yeah, big thumbs down. But also, I'm just wondering, why is he so pushy about this? Is he trying to flirt with her? Is he just so convinced that this is going to work? It's so strange to me. It's really bizarre. It's like maybe he's just so like, my initial instinct was, oh, he's just being really like, the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can swear I'll bleep you. It's all good. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yeah, he's being like, the rules. I'm a teenager. I'm like really loose and I can do whatever I want. That was my initial instinct. But it's also like, he has no reason to do that. He's rebelling against no one. Yes. So yeah, maybe it's weird flirtation. Don't like it. That's the only thing that would make sense because the other thing I was thinking while I was reading this, why don't you just drive the car? Why not you just drive it? You know how to do it. I guess the car can't get destroyed. So maybe the whole I don't want someone to crash my car thought isn't part of the equation. Mm, But it was just very strange. And I really wanted an adult to be here. I really wanted Chiron to clop on up and (laughs) get there because this was just a mess and it only gets worse. Yep. Thalia is nervous about driving. Apollo thinks it's because she doesn't feel worthy of driving the car, which is incorrect. Apollo decides to say something very unhelpful by mentioning the last time he trained a kid to drive the chariot, and he says that Zeus blasted that kid out of the sky. And Apollo's great point is, you're a daughter of Zeus. He won't do that to you. Mm. Herida Percy says, Apollo laughed good-naturedly. The rest of us didn't join him. Yep. I looked it up because I was like, oh, that's definitely like some sort of mythology thing, right? Oh, yeah. Just from a quick Google, I think it was his son that he like either stole his chariot or he just like let use it oh. and did it really badly as far as I could tell. Okay. Wow. So I guess Apollo doesn't have a son in this version. If he does, we don't know about them yet. No. Maybe also he's really sweeping this under the rug. Teen dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. could happen. Killing it. So Thalia tries to protest again, but Apollo refuses to take no for an answer. He hits a button and a sign pops up on the windshield that says, warning, student driver. And this is an amazing bit. And then there's also a fun note where Percy says he had to read it backwards because it's on the windshield and kind of see-through. But because he has dyslexia, it's not that different to read something forwards and backwards. And I'm intrigued to know if that's actually the case for folks with dyslexia. 
people send me in stuff. I'd love to know if that's sometimes how you break down words, trying to figure out how to spell them, read them, etc. So narrator Percy says that he has to admit that he's a little bit jealous. Sally let him drive her Mazda a few times on deserted Montauk roads, so he feels up to the task, or he's making a tongue-in-cheek joke when he says, quote, I mean, yeah, that was a Japanese compact, and this was the Sun Chariot, but how different could it be? <laughs> right. It's got to be the joke. <laughs> I would hope so. But there are a lot of times where I think, okay, is Percy being a naive 13-year-old or is he a 13-year-old with a great sense of humor? Because it could go either way. True. Very true of him. Apollo says to remember that speed equals heat and Thalia is mad nervous. She is white knuckle gripping the wheel. And when Percy asks her what's wrong, she stammers and says nothing, which means something is wrong. And then I remembered, oh, right. The chapter title mentions the torching of New England. This must be how the titular torching happens. The titular torching. <laughs> the titular torching. Anytime I can say titular, I take that excuse. <laughs> Thalia pulls back on the wheel way too hard, and the pile of trees from where they took off just gets engulfed in flames. The whole ride is a mess. Percy tries to help, Apollo tries to help, but Thalia is not having it, and she is just truly, truly struggling. Grover begs Apollo to take the wheel, and Apollo says, no worries, and narrator Percy says, he looked plenty worried. <laughs> the contradictions are great. I want that as, like, the narration over my life. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Yeah, I do say no worries a lot when I actually mean Dear I'm Rita, quite worried. <laughs> she meant many worries. <laughs> <laughs> Thalia then catches some of a New England town on fire, but then because they zoom off so quickly, it becomes very cold, so all of the flames get quenched. But it's just a terrible situation all across the board. Reminded me of the stressful taxi ride with the Gray Sisters in book two. Yes. Just havoc in a car. I like to think that's a really panicked weatherman trying to keep up with what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Eventually, they crash land into the lake at Camp Half-Blood, all while Thalia is repeating, I'm under control, I'm under control, I'm under control to herself. Narrator Percy says, the bus bobbed to the surface along with a couple of capsized, half-melted canoes. And Apollo says, well, you were right, my dear. You had everything under control. Let's go see if we boiled anyone important, shall we? <laughs> I love that line from him. It's really good. I'm confused about, he calls her my dear, and that doesn't fit with my, like, version of his like vernacular, like what he would say. Maybe it's just revealing how secretly old he is. Yeah, maybe it's that or maybe it's just him trying to use some sort of weird flirty term and stuff. Yeah. Like calling her babe or honey or something, but maybe he's trying to be less gross by calling her dear. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's like been put off by her. <laughs> uh. <laughs> she's like, she's a terrible dream. Yeah, so an odd choice for sure, but that's the end of this chapter, and that's the end of this episode. We're at a good stopping point, nice. and I thought we were going to get into chapter five, but you know what? We just had so much fun talking. We did. What are you going to do? <laughs> Dottie, thank you so much for joining. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they find you? I know you've got a book coming out, so talk about that. That's cool. I'm just finishing drafting it this month. Amazing. But it's so much fun to write. I spend a lot of time just marching around my apartment, muttering to myself, trying to figure out plot holes and things like that. It's a lot of fun. If you want to find out when that's coming out, you can follow me on like Twitter and Instagram, YouTube, 
all Dottie James. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Thank you for joining. We'll have to have you back. And maybe we'll do a bonus episode about how your dentist made this the most interesting scheduling nightmare. I think that would be a hoot. Because also, I want to hear it. And we didn't have time to do it for this recording. But let's chat separately and we'll save it and put it up on the Patreon. <laughs> but be great. So until we have another discussion about the Percy Jackson books or we talk in another way, I'll pursue you later, but for everyone listening, thank you so much. And until we figure out what is going to happen at Camp Half-Blood now that we are here, I'll pursue you later. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the website and the social media. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Kampamadas and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you're all caught up in the show and you simply cannot get enough, fear not, because there are multiple ways that you can get more TNO into your life. First, you can go to thenewstolympian.com slash Patreon and get access to all sorts of bonus content, from bonus episodes to director's commentary to physical merch like pins and stickers, and so much more. There's also TNO live shows. You can see if we're coming to a city near you or if we're doing a stream show, which we are in the very near future, if you go to thenewstolympian.com slash live. And you can also find us on social media at newstolympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash thenewstolympian. Huge, huge, huge thanks to all of our producer-level patrons, Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Emma Cooey, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Tough Bayfong, Moomoo Productions, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Can't I See Weed Brain, Peter Johnson, The Twin, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Colby, Marco Redhouse, Falcon Joey, James Christopher, William Boucher, Lux, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Carly Allen, Riley Kitas, Mary Kelly, Audra McKenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Tyler Hendricks, Molly Snyder, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Christ, Cece Reads 23, Sandkop, Julia Kendall, ML Oscar Thomason, and Noah Bundgaard. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, you can do so by getting the word out. You can talk about the show on social media, or you could think of someone that you know who would love this show. Maybe they're a big Percy Jackson fan. Maybe there's someone who's looking for that push to get them to begin reading the books. Whatever it is, if you recommend the show directly to someone, that would help so much. Or you could leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. Anything really does help, and I appreciate anyone who has done this or decides to do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you listened to this episode, and I hope you tune in to our next episode where we will be covering Chapter 5 of The Titan's Curse with special guest Aaron Bark. But until then, I'll pursue you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. You might have noticed that I wasn't in my full form during the last episode. I was just taking the form of elevator music slash hold music. It was royalty free though, so that is good because that means business Mike won't get sued by other people. You may be wondering why weren't you there? Was there some sort of reason? The reason is I forgot to record an ASMR mic segment and I got to the end of the episode and I had a really, really busy week that week and it was three in the morning when I was finishing the episode and editing mic had decided that's not happening. So ASMR mic is taking the form of music. Now, I'm very happy to be back. I'm I'm here in my full form, um, just giving you the, the sultry, dulcet tones of my ASMR-ish voice. So I apologize for not being there in my fullest form, but don't blame me. It's not my fault. I have to be told to record and that just didn't happen. I didn't drop the ball. So I hope everything is okay there. And, and just know that if I ever do put in some other sounds, it is for comedy, but also sometimes because I forget to record this portion. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you next week, or you'll hear me next week, however this works. I'm a 
strange character offshoot of the guy that hosts his podcasts. What is the kayfabe? I don't know. I feel like I'm lost in the sauce. I'm going to get out of here. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.